The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Texas faces a growing problem when it comes to recruiting and keeping teachers. It is critical for us to get this right, uh, and it is very difficult uh, to get uh, right because teaching is an extremely difficult profession. We sit down with the state's education commissioner as a task force releases its recommendations to keep teachers from leaving the classroom. Dry conditions and rising demand for water. Now a bipartisan thirst for solutions. Water is as important as a Republican and Democrat and independent. How the need to tackle water issues is bridging party divides at the Capitol. Dozens of doctors with medical licenses suspended, surrendered, or revoked in other states, still practicing in Texas. What state lawmakers are doing now to make the system safer for patients. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello, and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Many Texas school districts face a growing challenge when it comes to recruiting and keeping teachers. Last year, the governor ordered the Texas Education Agency to establish a teacher vacancy task force to address staffing challenges at public schools. The task force released its report last week with recommendations in three areas. First, compensation. That includes a call for lawmakers to increase the amount of per pupil funding allocated to school districts and require that a larger percentage of that money go toward teacher pay. The report also calls for improving training and support for teachers, and it recommended improvements to working conditions, including giving teachers more time for planning. Now those recommendations are in the hands of state lawmakers. Investigator Kelly Wiley spoke one-on-one with TEA Commissioner Mike Morath to get insight on how he views the challenges and what comes next. You're obviously the top official in Texas when it comes to education, looking over all these different institutions, all these different districts. What has it been like for you personally as a parent to watch so many teachers exit this field at the rate that they are over the last several years in particular? I have a first grader and a, um, and a, a fourth grader here in, the, uh, in public school in, in Austin area. and. Um, uh, and so we we lived this. We experienced this um, uh, day in day out. And so uh, there there have been disruptions, like a music teacher that um, left in the middle of the school year uh, for one of my kids. But um, the 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 school has done, I think, a, a fairly effective job at supporting educators on that campus, creating a culture of love and discipline, making sure that um, uh, teachers are are supported and respected. Um, but uh, you're going to see that vary um, from um, campus to campus. When we were interviewing teachers who left, a lot of what their issue was, aside from pay, was the impact that these legislative requirements left on them. They described every year there being more and more and more on their plate, and school districts often not even having the time in the school day or the funding to pay them extra for all the additional work they were doing. And those are all teachers in Austin ISD? Austin ISD teachers that I spoke with who are on your task force mentioned that this was problematic for them. It wasn't just Austin ISD. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, uh, it's a. It's a difficult. Uh, there's. There's no doubt that it is a challenge to. Um, to to teach a classroom full of 20 kids to try to get them rigorous instruction, get them on grade level. 
support kids who are behind. You know, one of the great things that our teachers do is they work with all the kids in their classrooms and they, and they try to differentiate individualized instruction, but it's extremely difficult. Um, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we have given them the resources that, that don't require them to work after hours and on nights and weekends. In your opinion, if the rate of teachers continues like this, leaving the field, what will education look like in Texas if we continue to see teachers leave the profession at this rate? Yeah, the, the, the trend has been, this is not like a near, this is not a new trend. This has been a 30 year trend and this is not specific to, to Texas. This is education in the United States. Um, the, the, a teacher that you were, the teacher that you were most likely to run into in 1985 had 10 years of experience. Um, so if you think about the distribution of teachers by years of experience, the, 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 the experience base you're most likely to run into had 10 years of experience. Um, for about the last decade, the teacher that you're most likely to run into was in his or her first year. This, I think, uh, again, begs the question of how do we increase preparation, training, support? How do we increase uh, or improve working conditions, address is issues of compensation um, uh, to, um, to help keep our teachers in the classroom longer? Kelly Wiley joins us now. Commissioner Morath seemed to have more questions than answers when it comes to retaining teachers. Did he suggest potential solutions during your interview? Well, I asked him that directly, and he said he really views the TEA as having this bird's eye view of all 1,019 school districts in Texas. He says they're in a unique position to be able to take solutions that have worked in some areas of Texas and give, it, give those solutions to districts that are still struggling. And this report directly asked the TEA to take on that technical assistance role when it comes to staffing structures, pay structures, and helping work out vacancies in these critical roles like special education. One big issue at the legislature this session is the push to let parents use public funding to pay for private schooling. What did Commissioner Morath have to say about that and how it could affect public schools? Well, first he started off with this is really in the hands of the legislature and what they decide. But when we asked him about the outlook for school funding as it relates to school vouchers, this is what he had to say. What I know with certainty is since, uh, you know, since I've been here for, well, and in, in before, over the last 10 years, per pupil spending in the state of Texas on public education and total spending in Texas on public education has increased pretty significantly every single year. And um, I don't have any reason to think that that trend is going to change in the near, in the near future. Kelly, you reported about leaked audio of a conversation with a high-ranking TEA official. He admitted that public school funding could drop if voucher-like school funding programs pass at the Capitol. That's different from what Marath is saying about money for schools, right? Right, and the recording was of Steve Leschelow. He's the Deputy Commissioner of Governance at the TEA. And in that audio, he was talking to a parent that he was saying that public school districts would lose money likely if they were to do uh, funding under a school choice plan. And I asked Commissioner Rath directly about this in the implications of what Leschelow said. How can school districts trust that the state agency they are accountable to has their best interest at heart after hearing that audio? Yeah, the, the, our mission at the agency is to provide leadership guidance and support to school districts to improve student outcomes. So um, we have, have got to address the needs of our students 
by supporting our school districts. That is, um, that is what we do. Um, uh, now we want to make sure that we serve our parents. There is a complaint process um, that we also oversee, and we need to ensure that it's, uh, it's fair and, and balanced, that we have an uh, appropriately objective lens to it. Um, uh, it, is, um, it is our objective to make sure that we have uh, a, com a, a completely objective support system for schools uh, throughout the state. Um, our success is dependent upon the success of our local school districts, and, and we want to ensure that we provide them the leadership guidance and support that we can. I also asked Marath if there has been any discussion of whether it was acceptable for a deputy TEA commissioner to say something like that to a parent. He said that that question has been addressed in a statement that they provided to us from Leshelow. And in it, Leshelow called his comments emotionally charged and unbecoming of someone in his position. And he also said that he was sorry. He wrote that his comments did not reflect the fair and impartial governance support that TEA strives to provide on a daily basis. Leshelow also wrote that what he said in the recording did not reflect his personal opinion or the stance of the TEA. All right, Kelly, thank you very much for joining us. You can see more of the interview with Commissioner Marath online now. Just look for this story right now in the Texas politics section of our website. You can also scan the QR code on your screen. It'll take you directly to that section. A new bill aims to ban voting sites on Texas college campuses. Opponents call it voter suppression. Why the lawmaker behind the bill says it's about keeping students safe. Dry conditions bring new attention to the state's growing demand for water. How plans at the legislature are targeting solutions and bridging political divides. Voting sites on college campuses could be banned under legislation filed in the Texas House. Opponents call it an act of voter suppression, but supporters believe it's a matter of campus safety. For Insight, our Sarah Alshea spoke with the state representative behind the measure. The polling site was actually right over here um, in this building and this room, and the line stretched all the way throughout here all the way down the line outside. Jacob Graybill is one of thousands of Texas State University students that vote at the campus's polling location, a resource he says benefits so many. It's the faculty, the staff, like every single level of Texas State and San Marcos, our neighbors come to vote at this location for convenience. But there's a push to take it away. Texas House Bill 2390 is proposing to ban campus polling sites across the state. Republican State Representative Carrie yeah, Isaac brought the idea forward and says it's a matter of school so, safety. Here in Texas, we have one of the longest uh, early voting periods of any state in the nation, two weeks of early voting. I don't believe it's wise that we invite people onto our campuses that would not otherwise be there. Some worry it would lead to some people just skipping voting. There would be so many people who want to vote, who care about these issues that just can't. Isaac says there are other options like voting by mail or that some universities bus students to polling locations. I have the utmost confidence in our young adults here in Texas to vote, even if the location is not right there on their campus. On the other side of the aisle, two Democratic state senators filed a bill that would require at least one main campus polling location for colleges with at least 5,000 students. Sarah Alsheh, State of Texas. Representative Isaac says she's drafting up another voting bill. This one would remove polling places from K through 12 public and charter schools. Texas keeps growing and that brings rising concern about whether the state will have enough water to meet the growing demand. 
to make sure that uh, the future generations have enough water supply and water security uh, down the road. The new plans to shore up the state's water supply and how it's winning support across party lines. State lawmakers filing legislation after our investigation reveals transparency trouble when it comes to doctors with problematic pasts. Our investigation coming up. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to shelfgenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Texas keeps growing, and that means rising concerns about our water. Will we have enough to keep up with growth, and will the infrastructure stand up to demand? Will Dupree found out how tackling water issues at the state capitol this session is now creating a bridge over partisan divides. The new session is underway after a year of the state's water system showing cracks. From water main breaks cutting off service in West Texas to winter weather causing people to lose water. The state's water infrastructure could use some updates, especially with Texas seeing more droughts. Now at least 67 state representatives say they'll commit to making that a priority. Water is as important to a Republican and Democrat and independent. State Representative Tracy King is leading the first ever House Water Caucus. Well, I want people to understand that the, the legislature in the state of Texas takes water needs very, very seriously. The group brings together an almost equal number of Democrats and Republicans like Representative Cody Harris. We've got to make sure that we do everything we can to plan ahead to make sure that uh, the future generations have enough water supply and water security uh, down the road. Throughout the session, the Texas Water Foundation will help get the caucus up to speed on water policy. Particularly in a session where we have a budget surplus and there are going to be a number of competing priorities, we want to make sure that there are legislators who really recognize and appreciate the critical investment needs that are available for water security um, and that it's at the forefront. The gulf between the two sides can sometimes seem vast in Texas, but the Water Caucus shows where a bridge can be built over partisan divides. Will Dupree, State of Texas. Members of the Water Caucus intend to put forward policy solutions during the session. That could include pursuing more water conservation efforts, as well as growing the pot of money that communities can more easily access to pay for water system upgrades. But what happens in the other chamber could make a huge difference in the future of Texas water. State Senator Charles Perry's bill could set aside $3 billion to look into creating new water sources. Will Dupree sat down with Senator Perry to learn more about the plans. There seems to be a lot more attention this session um, on water. I would covered the House starting its own water caucus. Uh, I'm wondering if you could kind of just talk about why you think that is, why there's more, much more discussion about it happening. It's, it's several things. One, uh, the drought uh, that we've seen in the state, it, although it wasn't as prevalent as one in 11, it was still, uh, it touched a lot of different areas. And so anytime you have a drought event, uh, or a flood event for that matter, water becomes a subject matter, right? So uh, you contribute that to the drought and then couple that with perfect timing. We got the perfect storm, if you will, that we have funding to for the first time ever in the state to really put some real dollars to developing new water supplies. So, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we, we never let a crisis go to waste, so to speak. And we're actually fortunate that the state has seen the surplus in dollars. 
and this is an infrastructure session for me. I believe that uh, when you have these opportunities to jumpstart, start, or actually uh, expand, as we've done our flood planning uh, monies, our flood monies, you don't miss the opportunity. You filed um, SB 837 to create this Water for Texas fund. Um, I had read through the bill, but if you could kind of go through and explain what your thinking is behind creating this and, and what your hope is with the legislation. Sure, uh, SB 837, which will be SB 28, because it is one of the top 30 priorities of the lieutenant governor now. The intent is two things. Uh, it's a $3 billion ask. The fund is broken down into two pots of money. $2 billion would go to small connects uh, for public water supplies, 3000 under, something like that. Because right now, our leaky pipes in the state lose about 136 billion gallons of water a year. So that's just low-hanging fruit. That's just keeping what we got longer. The other pot of money is what I just described was we have to pursue new development opportunities. And those come through in the form of today's existing technologies of desal for the most part. We're not going to be able to complete the reservoirs we have in a lot of areas. We're not going to probably get to build out more reservoirs, but reservoirs still take a source of river or rain and other components. This is water that exists today that we just not developed. This fund will incentivize private sector partnerships to go out and develop the, the brackish, the produced water and the marine through the desal technology. You heard Senator Perry mention that this legislation is among Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's priorities for the session. It was 28th on his list of the top 30 most important items. Governor Abbott's inauguration speech included a mention of the need to improve water infrastructure, but the governor did not list water among his priorities in last week's State of the State address. Texas patients one step closer to a safer and more transparent system following our investigation. Lawmakers filing bills to address doctors with problematic pasts coming up. Our year-long series of investigations is resulting in several bills filed by both parties aimed at reforming the Texas Medical Board. Now investigator Matt Grant is taking a closer look at one of those bills, what it would do, and why advocates say it will force the state to be more transparent when patients want to check up on their doctors. That's not going to fly, and I intend to do something about it. That was Democratic State Representative Julie Johnson almost a year ago, diagnosing the Texas Medical Board with a transparency problem. Her reaction following a series of KXAN investigations, which found dozens of doctors with medical licenses suspended, surrendered, or revoked in other states, still practicing or able to in Texas, showing clean records on the TMB's website, despite state law requiring out-of-state disciplinary actions be public. My immediate reaction was, well, if the medical board isn't going to do on its own, as a member of the legislature, I'm going to file a bill. This month, Johnson followed through on her promise, filing House Bill 1998. If passed, it would require the TMB to search the National Practitioner Data Bank monthly, make public any disciplinary actions found, and prevent doctors who've had medical licenses revoked in other states from practicing in Texas. And that's a direct result of your reporting. Where Wendell is the executive director of Texas Watch, a nonpartisan nonprofit that advocates for patient safety. Your reporting has shined a light on critical problems at the Texas Medical Board right now. Wendell calls the proposals critical and says they would force the TMB to do its job better. 
Passing this legislation this session is a top priority for Texas Watch because it will protect patients all across our state. I'm extraordinarily pleased that uh, Representative Johnson is uh, addressing these issues. Dr. Robert Henderson agrees. He maimed people here. He killed Shelley Brennan by drilling through her vertebral artery. Portrayed in the Peacock miniseries Dr. Death, the Dallas spinal surgeon is responsible for helping stop Dr. Christopher Dunch, who was sentenced to life in prison after leaving more than 30 patients injured or dead. I've always fought for patients. I mean, that's why I went into medicine, was to help people. More than a decade after he first got involved in the Dunch case, Dr. Henderson says he's frustrated the system meant to protect patients allowed Dunch to keep practicing, transferring from hospital to hospital, despite obvious red flags. We do need more effective protection for the public. So I think certainly those laws ought to be enhanced. They ought to be strengthened. One of Johnson's proposals would require hospitals report suspensions lasting 30 days or less to the National Practitioner Databank. The problem, though, is that by law, the databank only collects disciplinary actions that are longer than 30 days. Johnson calls that a loophole and wants to close it on a state level, telling us in a statement that her bill is still in the beginning stages and will likely see several changes after debates and committee hearings, adding, I will continue working with stakeholders and advocates on the bill language and implementation to ensure patients are protected and that the team has necessary tools to properly oversee Texas doctors. We will, of course, continue tracking this bill's progress through this legislative session. For State of Texas, I'm Matt Grant. Thanks, Matt. A spokesperson for the Texas Medical Board would not comment on any legislative proposals, but said the board is happy to work with any member of the legislature to better serve Texans. You can read Representative Johnson's bill online now. It's linked to this story in the Texas politics section of our website, or scan the QR code on your screen to take you to that page. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.